The CECC announced 65,385 local COVID infections on Thursday, with New Taipei reporting more than 23,000 cases. It also reported 79 more patients with moderate to severe COVID symptoms, as well as 17 COVID-related deaths, a new daily high. Health officials said that starting Friday, COVID patients can send proxies to their doctor's appointments if they need a prescription for antiviral pills. Let's hear from the CECC. Starting tomorrow, we will allow friends and family of COVID patients to go to more than 100 hospitals with COVID clinics to get a medical assessment from a doctor for the prescription of oral COVID drugs. Such friends or relatives must not be undergoing home isolation. They must take the NHI card of the COVID patient as well as a certificate showing the patient tested positive for COVID. Based on the protocol of the individual hospital, they will either make an appointment or register as a walk-in. The doctor will assess whether the patient meets the four main criteria for receiving oral COVID medication. The doctor will also check for interactions with other drugs. The friend or family member can then sign a consent form on behalf of the patient and obtain a prescription for the medication, which they can then pick up at the hospital's pharmacy. That is the whole process. The CECC says patients must meet certain conditions to qualify for COVID pills. It wants patients and their proxies to know that not every doctor's visit will result in a prescription. Hospitals have launched virtual clinics for diagnosing COVID-19. The service is available to travelers in home quarantine as well as COVID patients' close contacts who are undergoing the 3 plus 4 home isolation protocol. Currently, that's about 32,000 people in total. On day one of the new service, one Taipei doctor said it was taking too long to verify the identity of its online patients. Virtual COVID diagnosis clinics launched on Thursday for select individuals. On day one of the new service, one doctor said the most time-consuming step was verifying patient identity. Inquiries need to be made on the health insurance system's cloud database. Sometimes the patient needs to show some documents to get some things in order. So from start to finish, it takes at least 10 minutes to verify a patient's identity, which has to be done before starting the medical consult. After assessing the patient's physical symptoms, the doctor writes a prescription. At the end of the consult, the patient is asked to destroy the rapid screening test to prevent reuse. Each consult takes roughly half an hour. Taipei Ziji Hospital says it will open more clinics to meet demand. Today, we have four clinics. Next week, we might have eight or 20. We have enough doctors for the rest of these clinics. We will educate and train all of them. All of this will be done step by step at the hospital. There are currently 320,000 people nationwide who can request an online COVID diagnosis clinic. Officials say that hospitals would become overwhelmed if all eligible people were to request a consult at the same time. On day one of the new service, doctors said there was still more work to do to get the system running smoothly. With COVID spreading fast in Taiwan, many parents may be wondering when to seek medical help for young children. 
In this current COVID wave, Taiwan has seen its youngest COVID-related death to date, that of a two-year-old boy. There have also been severe cases in infants as young as eight months old. In a radio interview on Friday, pediatrician Li Pingying listed some warning signs that warrant medical attention for young COVID patients. Let's hear from him. During a fever, our metabolism increases and our breathing speeds up. If you take their temperature and they don't have a fever, but they still have rapid breathing, it could signal heart or lung failure. In that case, they should be taken to a hospital immediately. If, when the child breathes in, there is a depression in their chest, that is also a sign of danger. Children with severe symptoms will often refuse food and drink. If they haven't urinated for half a day, that's also dangerous. If they are crying but they aren't shedding any tears, that could signal severe dehydration. The pediatrician called on parents to closely monitor infected children. In related news, the CECC plans to adjust its triage protocol for infected pregnant women who are at higher risk for severe symptoms. Currently, infected women are admitted to hospitals if they are 36 weeks pregnant or beyond. Anyone less than 36 weeks pregnant must isolate at enhanced government quarantine centers or quarantine hotels. The CECC says that it will adjust its hospitalization policy so that it factors in more than the gestational age of the fetus. Other factors to be considered will include symptom severity and risk factors such as the woman's age, body weight and history of chronic disease. China D8 is a popular account on China's social media site Weibo, and it's known for launching attacks against Taiwan. Recently, Weibo began showing the geographic location of its users, revealing that some of the posts on China D8 were written within Taiwan. The Taiwan scholar says this is just one more sign that there are people in this country who are working on China's behalf. DPP lawmaker Wang Dingyu says national security units should launch a full investigation to uncover those helping Beijing. The Weibo account China D8 is known for its inflammatory posts against Taiwan. It recently came to light that some of its posts were written within Taiwan. On Wednesday, a Chinese government spokesperson praised Weibo for revealing the location of its users. Displaying the IP address geolocation of internet users is a way to effectively control internet rumors, false information and cyber violence. It can help people on both sides of the strait open their eyes, more accurately identify fake and genuine information, and oppose the abominable acts that divide the compatriots on both sides of the strait. The Taiwan Affairs Office should not attempt to divorce itself from disinformation campaigns. Its United Front units specialize in that kind of thing. Regarding this social media account that spreads rumors and fans the flames, is it doing so at the instructions of Beijing? When its posts resonate with the official line of Beijing, were those posts ordered by China? I think that our national security agency should investigate to get some clarity. The China D8 Weibo account has more than 1.5 million followers. Previous posts have encouraged Chinese users to jump the Great Firewall and go on Facebook to attack the fan pages of Taiwanese politicians and entertainers. Its posts also routinely cast Taiwan in a negative light. 
Recently, Weibo implemented a new policy of revealing its users' location data based on their IP addresses. This revealed that the account was being operated out of many locations, including China's Zhejiang province and Japan. The location is currently set to Hong Kong. There are local collaborators within Taiwan from other social media communities. They are propagating this kind of divisive, intimidating, and even untrue information to stoke anxiety within Taiwanese society. China's campaign to display users' locations has uncovered some ugly truths. Although we have a so-called Anti-Infiltration Act, we don't have the legal resources to control the malicious dissemination of disinformation or divisive and subversive internet behavior. The scholar says that there are people within Taiwan who are helping China divide Taiwanese society. He urges Taiwan's government and people to be on guard against China's sustained social media campaign. The auto industry is currently facing a global shortage of vehicles. The pandemic, silicon chip shortages and the war in Ukraine have all contributed. In Taiwan, the shortage has driven a boom in the second-hand car market. Second-hand sales of recently released models are getting a big lift. But experts say you will pay more now for a top model than the original buyer paid. This car dealer polishes his wheels to perfection. A customer might pop in at any time. The shortage of silicon chips for vehicles has exacerbated the effect of the pandemic and caused a serious bottleneck in new cars. There are long waiting lists for special models, sometimes more than a year. But customers in a hurry can turn to second-hand cars, which has been a boon for the market. You can't get hold of a new Tesla right now. If you order one, it takes eight months or more to come. When you buy second-hand, the price will be 30,000 NT higher than when it was first sold. The hottest selling cars are those with little mileage made within the last three years. Tesla, Toyota Alphard and Porsche Macan are some of the high-end models in demand. One customer reportedly offered 1.7 million NT in cash for a single vehicle. Many cars are sold online before they even hit the showroom. The Toyota Alphard sold for 2.6 million NT new. You can't really buy it for that price now. Another one is the Porsche Macan or 718. It's totally impossible to buy that for its initial price now. You can only buy it at a markup. Because of the car shortage, there were 20,000 fewer new cars on the market from January to April compared to the same period last year. That was a contraction of 12%. Meanwhile, the used vehicle market sold 248,000 vehicles, approximately 13,000 more than in the same period last year. That's 5% growth. It shows how lively the used car market is. The Russian invasion of Ukraine, COVID and silicon shortages have all contributed to the auto industry's woes. The most severe shortage is for European vehicles. There's almost no room to negotiate on the price of new cars. Experts say the shortage will last to the end of this year, giving the second-hand market a sustained lift. Hong Kong authorities have launched a fresh crackdown on democracy activity activists, arresting five people, including a prominent cardinal and a high-profile pop singer. This latest move has prompted strong words of concern from Washington as well as the Vatican. On Thursday, people in Taipei took to the streets to rally support for Hong Kong. One of them, a scholar at the Academia Sinica, said Taiwan should offer political asylum to Hong Kongers in need. 
Beijing loyalist John Lee was elected as Hong Kong's new chief executive last Sunday. Just days later, city authorities arrested five trustees of the now-defunct 612 Humanitarian Relief Fund, which helped those detained during the 2019 anti-extradition bill protests. The five are former lawmaker Margaret Ng, Cardinal Joseph Zen, academic Hui Po Kung, pop singer Denise Ho, and former lawmaker Sid Ho, who was already serving a sentence and was arrested in prison. They are accused of colluding with foreign forces to endanger national security. When news of the arrests arrived in Taiwan, Hong Kong youth launched a protest. One academia cynica scholar says Taiwan should grant political asylum to the people of Hong Kong. This is a new wave of action by the Chinese state to destroy Hong Kong's autonomy. For people who are in immediate danger and in urgent need of rescue, we should activate an asylum mechanism. When Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement was at its peak, the Taiwanese people enthusiastically stood up in support of Hong Kong, shouting, liberate Hong Kong, the revolution of our times. But now, at a time when Hong Kong's democratic movement is encountering setbacks and an iron curtain is coming down on Hong Kong, we are turning our backs. My hope is that President Tsai Ing-wen will step forward and speak. Our vice president, who is Catholic himself, should come out and speak. Taiwan cannot afford to hesitate. Taiwan must stand firm with the international community in supporting Hong Kong, whether institutionally or through public statements or in other displays of attitude. Lawmakers say Taiwan should step up its support for Hong Kong. In Washington, the State Department also responded to the arrests. It condemned Beijing and Hong Kong authorities for violating human rights and freedoms. In arresting these veteran activists, scholars and religious leaders under the so-called national security law, Hong Kong authorities have again uh, demonstrated that they will pursue all means necessary to stifle dissent and undercut protected rights and freedoms. With the exception of Sid Ho, all the arrested trustees have since been released on bail. None has issued a public statement. Hong Kong's new chief executive will take office on July 1st. His leadership is expected to usher in even greater suppression for Hong Kong. Czech lawmakers have voted 51 to 1 to support Taiwan's participation in international organizations. The backing comes just ahead of the 75th World Health Assembly, which Taiwan has not been invited to attend. A scholar says the resolution reflects the growing friendship between the Czech Republic and Taiwan. <laughs> Music sounds in the Czech Senate. Voting is now underway on a resolution backing Taiwan's inclusion in global bodies, including the World Health Organization. Senate Speaker Milos Vistrichil, who visited Taiwan in 2020, was one of those who advocated in favor, stressing the strong friendship between the Czech Republic and Taiwan. In the end, the Senate passed the resolution in a vote of 51 in favor to one against, with 11 abstentions. It was the second year in a row that the Czech Senate backed Taiwan's participation in the WHO. Be it the Czech Republic, Lithuania, Slovakia, in recent years, all these countries in Central and Eastern Europe have firmed up their support for Taiwan. So we're getting a message here. This latest development was no accident. Recently, Russia was suspended from the UN's Human Rights Council and the Czech Republic was elected in its stead. That shows that the Czech Republic's international influence is growing. For Taiwan, that's a good thing. Virtue never stands alone. It always has neighbors.
Scholars say the Czech Republic and Taiwan are only growing closer. An excerpt of the resolution passed at the Senate reads, The administration's agenda from January 2022 and the joint statement from the U.S.-Czech Republic strategic dialogue from March 30th clearly state that the Czech Republic views Taiwan as an important partner in the Indo-Pacific that shares the values of freedom and democracy. The Czech resolution is part of a rising tide of global support for Taiwan. Over in the U.S., top intelligence officials are closely monitoring the Taiwan Strait. They say the Russia-Ukraine war is providing lessons to China, which is unlikely to accelerate its plan to invade Taiwan. They were surprised by the degree to which the United States and Europe came together to enact sanctions, and that is something obviously that they're going to be looking at in the context of Taiwan. They are able militarily to take action in Taiwan over our intervention. Seeing what happened in Russia, that may give them less confidence. According to the U.S.'s intelligence chief, China is now leaning toward non-military strategies for taking over Taiwan. But at the same time, Beijing is strengthening its military to prevent American intervention. The director says that between now and 2030, the threat posed to Taiwan by China will remain acute. Three leading pharmacy chains have launched sales of saliva-based COVID rapid tests. Today, long lines were seen at many pharmacies as parents flocked to get their hands on these alternative tests. Parents say saliva tests are less painful for children compared to nose swabs. But the CECC warns that saliva tests are not intended for use by children under two years old. To take a saliva test, spit into the supplied receptacle and pour in the extraction liquid. Mix the contents thoroughly and let it sit for five minutes, before putting three drops on the test strip at the indicated spot. Wait 15 minutes before reading the result. But experts say that saliva tests are not as accurate as nasal swabs. They can only detect positives in patients with a CT value lower than 23 or 24. Nasal rapid tests can detect positives in patients with a CT value ranging from 27 to 30 or even higher. A new study from Kaohsiung Medical University suggests that medicinal teas could help reduce the impact of COVID. Honeysuckle tea helps strengthen the immune system, says doctors, and supports your body to fight COVID-19. However, as a medicinal ingredient, it might not be suitable for everyone, nor is it a miracle cure. We spoke to Professor Liu Xiaoshen to find out more. A cup of hot honeysuckle tea is poured. A team here at Kaohsiung Medical University is very interested in this beverage. The team's research shows it can strengthen immunity and even fight off COVID-19. It prompts our body to produce microRNA, which is part of our immune system. It increases noticeably after you drink honeysuckle tea. The amazing thing about microRNA is that it distinguishes the virus RNA and then accurately inhibits the replication of the virus. The team has found that honeysuckle and astragalus root, both ingredients in traditional Chinese medicine, are both great for the immune system. They help your body create microRNA, which can detect the virus if it enters and help to prevent it from replicating itself. Looking at our experiments on mice, it can ameliorate the condition and slow down the progression of the disease. But it's not a miracle drug and it can't totally destroy the virus. No, it just mitigates the situation. 
It is a more dry and cold ingredient after all, so overconsumption could harm your digestive tract. Especially for pregnant women, eating cold foods could cause a contraction of the uterus or other discomfort, even diarrhea. We would not really recommend that you go to a pharmacy and choose your own medicines. Doctors warn that while these teas may help your immune system as medicinal ingredients, they could also have some unwanted side effects. They recommend that you head to the doctor for a prescription to make sure you're taking the drugs that are right. For you. And now a trip to one of Taiwan's secret beauty spots. Green Island is famous for its beautiful waters and amazing ocean activities. One of the most popular destinations is the Blue Cave, a natural sea cave perfect for rock jumping. With the help of a tour guide, visitors can relax into a day in the middle of the big blue ocean. A tourist leaps off a cliff into the pool below, sending a mighty splash into the air. This is Blue Cave on Green Island, one of the most spectacular spots for rock jumping in Taiwan. In the sunlight, its blue waters sparkle aquamarine and sapphire. It's very special. After you jump, you can enjoy the water in the cave and the view of the sea farther out. I think it's worth a trip. After all, it's a special destination you won't find at other outlying islands. Green Island's Blue Cave is very famous. When the sun shines on the water here, it turns a special shade of blue, as the name implies. Seawater erosion is responsible for the incredible rock formations here. The water is five meters deep, but with a tour guide on hand, taking a dip at this beauty spot is very safe. There's just one thing to bear in mind. You shouldn't touch the walls of the cave. Sometimes sea snakes come out. If you touch the walls, they can suddenly emerge. It's very dangerous to touch them. They'll turn around and bite you. A trip to the cave takes just two hours, making it an easy day trip for visitors to Green Island. Who says you need to fly around the world to enjoy a holiday? Taiwan has incredible natural wonders right on its doorstep.